0: You're listening to a Youth Takeover edition of the Remaking Tomorrow podcast, where teens host the program and welcome peer guests.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Ethan and I will be your host today. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we are talking with three youth guests about how students should be supported through their education today and in the future. To start, let's meet our guests.
2: Hi, I'm Lee Butler. I'm 19 and I live in the north side.
3: Hello, I'm Michael. I'm 16 and I live in the north side.
0: Hi, I'm Jordan Price, I'm 19, and I live in Turtle Creek.
1: And I'm Ethan, I'm 16, and I live in South Oakland. How would you guys define personalized learning?
2: I would define personalized learning as learning that's personalized to each individual student, not just a class of students and how they work and how they adapt to their learning situations.
3: I would say personalized learning is the type of learning that a certain person uses often or is a type of learning that is best used to teach someone.
0: For me, personalized learning is learning specified to the student. So it's not just going to be like a standard, everybody has to learn this. It's kind of like helping students learn in the way that they'll best retain the information that you're giving them. If you
1: could go back in time and create a personalized learning future for yourself, what would it be like?
0: if I can go back in time and create a personalized learning future for myself, the way that it was in my school, it was like the teachers kind of like knew you by how you seem. So like I seem like a smart kid. So like I'm always put in like advanced classes and things like that. And I'm not getting the help that I always need because I'm looked at as like the smart kid. Don't make assumptions and generalizations. So I feel like for me, it'll be like looking at my actual assignments and seeing like, okay, like what are you struggling on? And like being able to ask questions to my teacher, because I feel like I have to talk things out. Like, that's how I learn. So asking questions and being by subject and kind of, like, getting more help wherever I need more help.
3: If I could go back in time and create a personalized learning for myself, I'm a hands-on type of person, so the things that I'm learning, I would put them in use so that muscle memory so I'd know what I'm doing in the future.
2: For me, I think I would try and be more hands-on and try doing, like, more science tech classes than I did growing up, especially because my school was pretty small. We didn't have any real personalized courses, but maybe I would take like more of the honors ones or try getting different electives.
1: I'm very hands-on learning. I was never given the proper chance to excel at what I wanted to do. No one ever actually took me seriously in wanting to learn the world of filmmaking. So I would go back and really push myself to do that more. Would the future you just described benefit just you or other people?
3: Well, all three of us basically said that we were hands-on type of people, so what I said uh, would basically help uh, a wide range of people.
0: I think that it would help other people as well as myself because if it's personalized learning, like you're personalizing it for yourself and like each individual, if everybody was able to have a chance to do that.
2: I agree. I think it will help a large range of people because there are other people that have the same learning styles or goals as you, even though they may not have the exact goals. They'll still be very similar. Therefore, it could help a range of people. in them. that's going to help everyone in the long run. Everyone gets to learn the way that they benefit.
1: How would you define equity as it relates to schools, education, or learning?
2: Trying to have an even ground of learning for everyone and on top of that i'm not just talking about like reading and writing and basic math skills but really giving everyone opportunities to grow and be their own person at the same rates
0: equity is different than equality kind of like If somebody needs more help than the other person, then they should be able to get that so they can start on the same playing field. So I think that's kind of what you were saying. So it's kind of like if everybody starts on that same level playing field, then everybody, whenever we graduate, we can all, like, run towards the same race. Because I'm learning that now, like, start in college and stuff like that. Like, even though I did go to a charter school and I had, like, you know, different experiences and things like that, my education is different than other students' education. So I found, like, me struggling in other situations and having to, kind of like create my own type of personalized learning at school, which is kind of helpful whenever you're in college and not necessarily when you're in high school. Like I was able to kind of like go to office hours with my TA or LA or whatever and ask for that extra help instead of forcing a teacher to do it in during my high school time. Cause teachers are like, oh, I have lunch break, you know, whatever. And some teachers are willing to help us, but hopefully we can get it to where high schools can make it happen sooner than before you graduate.
2: I like that explanation.
3: I would just say that equity for me would be just the basic necessities that everybody should get. Like one school shouldn't have more black teachers than the other. One school shouldn't have more books than the other. More technology than the other. I feel like Perry or some schools are taking out the extra curriculum such as art, music, or things that they feel aren't necessary for a student. I feel like it is necessary. Back in the day Perry was known for their band and their football team. Now we don't have that. We don't have an art teacher. Our music teacher is leaving, and I feel like other schools, they have all of that. I would love to have art every day, music, other schools having things that my school doesn't.
0: I think that's a great point to bring up, especially in a conversation like this, because if we're talking about personalized learning, everybody's not gonna be like a textbook student. Like Mm -hmm. you said, like you're an artist, and I kind of like relate to that and resonate with that. Luckily, like my school had, you know, those things. In some cases, I had to create those, you know, scenarios for myself. Mm But I feel like that's a great point because it's not just your school that are losing it. It's the funding.
3: So that's just something I feel like income should be distributed equally, maybe even more to the low-income, high-poverty schools. I attend Uprep and Taylor
1: Allardyce, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And at Uprep, they do have a CTE technology program that I am in, but it is not advertised anywhere. Mm -hmm. I found it by complete accident going to my guidance counselor, and she just mentioned it to me. They do put some money into these schools, but they will not let you know that mm-hmm. it is there. There's 300 kids in that school. In that class I'm in, three of them are from just different schools. And there's supposed to be 20 of us in there. There are four. So that is a very big problem and a very good point to make. The CTE program that I'm in is live production. So I learned the basics of camera work, editing, lighting, and stuff like that. You get certain certifications
3: in uh, Adobe products. Perry doesn't have that. Does Westinghouse have a CT? What is their CT? Uh, Westinghouse is culinary. Oh, culinary.
1: dice has HVAC.
3: Mm-hmm. That's all I know of. I don't know how to think of that. Some schools have different things. I came from a charter school, Westinghouse Arts Academy Charter School. They do have a lot of opportunities. And going from that school into this one, it was meh. It was a huge change, huge difference. I could see in the students that they didn't want to be there. I could see in the teachers that they didn't want to be there. That was kind of hurtful. It's like I've seen the size of a poverty type school versus a high income school and uh, it's very different. If like Perry was given the opportunities that the charter school was giving, I feel like maybe students would be more involved in the school, more wanting to come to school and able to learn more.
0: My school we have action team. It's not like a CTE program or anything like that, but people knew about action team, but they didn't really know what it was. Once we realized, like, our students, we're, you know, doing things for them, but they don't really know, like, who we are and what we do, we started to kind of, like, use social media and word of mouth to kind of, like, get the news out to students. And we had, like, people come in. Even if they didn't stay, like, long term, they still, you know, at least knew it was there and available to them. So I feel like that's going to be, like, something that you guys are going to be able to use to the best of your ability to kind of get your message out. Because we can't depend on the schools or the teachers to do these things for us.
1: With those things in mind, what changes might you make to be sure you and your peers all felt like they belong? How would you help students feeling marginalized or not good enough thrive?
2: Honestly, I would add more programs and electives to my high school because City High, it was good in a lot of ways. And I think they used some of their funding very well, but there were electives that people did not know existed or electives that we couldn't get into because we weren't planning on doing that with our future. For me, I want to go into the health and biological field. So whenever I was told that I couldn't do like extra math courses or the extra science courses and actually have the hands-on experience that I craved, it kind of upset me. And we have like theater, but we don't have sports and JROTC people. I think there were like two that graduated with me. They have to go to Perry. There were a lot of things that our school really just lacked in those fields and also to have our classes more hands-on again whenever i joined in ninth grade originally like half the class would be independent learning then the other half was hands-on but as we grew it was all independent and i feel like as we got to senior year that's when it's supposed to get more hands-on and we're actually supposed to have the real experience to prepare us for whatever we wanted to do
3: me personally i would take away the grading curriculum I feel like a person's intelligence should not be determined by a letter. A, B, C, D. I've seen people who have had a report card with all Ds, but can solve a math problem like that just off the top of the head. They are the smartest people, but on paper, dumb as a box of rocks. I take this home to my parents, they see that I got a D. Oh, why'd you get this? They're not teaching it how I learn, like hands-on. Like, they hand me a packet and expect me to know exactly what this is. I've never learned this before. Some electives, you can't get in them without a certain type of grade. Like, if you did not pass this class, you can't get into this elective. Or, like, if you didn't pass this, you have to take it again and again, and I feel like that's not right.
0: Specifically speaking on helping the students who feel marginalized and not good enough to thrive, we don't always have teachers who look like us. I was privileged to have, like, a black woman teach me very early on, like my first grade teacher was black. I was able to see black educators. That's not the case in like other schools. I went to like a predominantly black school pretty much all my younger years, so that was like good for me. Having sensitivity training to make sure that white teachers can't always understand exactly what a black student is going through. Like they can try to sympathize and you know use empathy and things like that, but they can't always do that. Reimagining like what people's futures can be because college isn't for everybody. Trade schools isn't for everybody, you know what I mean? So like there are multiple different ways that you can go about making a living now and like how you choose to live your life. And I feel like if we have more conversations about that, that, will help a lot. Just so we can get that personalized learning. Cause in my head, I'm like, well, if I'm gonna go to school to be a theater major, why do I need to know math and science and all this other stuff? Like, yes, the basics are fine, but there's no need for me to be taking physics or anatomy and physiology or pre-calculus if I'm going to be like an actor.
2: I like where you were going with the diversity of teachers, because honestly, I've never really had to deal with it. I'm white, I've had white teachers my entire life, but in eighth grade, I had my first black teacher. And she was amazing, but the thing was, I went to Schiller at that point. It was predominantly black. I was probably like one of four white students in the school, totally. And to see how she really impacted other students They came to her class actually willing to learn. They paid attention. She would allow anyone at any time to go into her classroom. One time she even let a student sleep in the back of the class and just skip probably three hours of class because she connected to them on that level and very personalized to their learning and their lives.
3: Some black teachers understand what a child is going through. I feel like they understand that maybe I didn't get enough sleep because at home I have problems. So I'm not able to sleep, so I was up all night shivering. So that's why students build bonds with certain types of teachers.
1: And the teachers, when they are hired, no one's actually looking at them. They're looking at their qualifications and not them as a person. Because you get people that will let you sleep in their class, eat food, and you want to be there, and they're good at teaching. And then you have people that just hand you a packet and tell you to start reading. Mm -hmm. And it's like well how are you helping me I'm not going to learn by reading these words on a page you're going to have to explain it to me a little bit you actually have to help sit down with people we're social creatures by nature you have to connect with people and if you don't then they're not going to like you and they're not going to learn they're not going to be there they're going to skip and then you're going to wonder why they do it and then you're going to get mad at them and then the cycle is going to repeat I see it every day
0: it's about the relationship that you have with with the student Mm -hmm. it's not like diversity would be great like you know (laughs) you know that would be amazing but at the end of the day like there isn't always going to be that room for diversity now that we have you know the people that we do have it's like okay let's show you how to build relationships with these students and you know get them to want to come to class and stay engaged
2: with the not feeling good enough to Thrive and everything. I was never good at school. My brother was the one who had honors. I was the one who completely failed. I had to retake second grade. I almost had to retake like third and fourth as well. But I moved back to Pittsburgh from Clarion County and I moved in with my dad to start my middle school and since he gave me the support I was able to like get all A's, but I still never felt like it was good enough because I was just doing the work. I wasn't actually understanding any of it. But whenever I got to City High, they were a lot more hands-on and they actually worked with you. I had a brilliant advisor, Mr. O'Connor, and he would always talk to me several times a week, make sure I knew what I was doing. He always encouraged me to do better. But I didn't feel that way in middle school. I felt like I would never be enough and I would never get out of the poverty. I would never be the first generation to graduate high school or college.
1: I don't think people realize that we are kids. The last thing in our mind is our reading that book or <laughs> writing that paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people really need to understand that you didn't want to be there in school as a kid. We definitely don't. So, you got to be try. All right, last question for today. What's one thing parents and educators can do to support every learner?
3: Parents should not come down on a kid if they are not as easily able to learn a subject. Every child learns differently. They should actually sit down and talk to their kid and be like, why are you having trouble in this subject or in this subject rather than that? Educators should learn to interact more with their students and build strong bonds with them so that learning will be easier and teaching would be easier.
2: And I also want to add on that I think, like, parents shouldn't just look at your grade. Because even though I was a student who had straight A's for eight years, did I actually comprehend most of what I did? Did I actually have the common sense of daily life? Like, I was talking about it earlier, like, just because you have straight A's doesn't mean you know basic common sense and how to get onto a bus or how to get a job. And I did good grade-wise, but I didn't actually feel mentally supported at a lot of points, actually. Like educators, whenever you actually get to connect with them, the one black teacher I had, she was amazing, or my advisor, they were very supportive both emotionally and educational-wise.
0: I feel like at this point, the way that education goes now, it's like they're teaching you to take the test. They're teaching you to make the grades. So it's like everybody has good grades. Everybody is an AB student. Everybody has an average of 3.0 GPA. And at one point, it was kind of like 3.0 was above average. You know, a 3.0 GPA was above average. I don't think that's the case now because they're teaching you literally to make the grades. And I noticed that, like, now even, like, as you guys are going through the college process, you can have, you know, the best GPA there is. And, you know, you might get into the school, but whenever it comes to, like, funding and things like that, they're looking at what makes you special.
2: I actually had a problem whenever I was trying to get into college because even though I got into Carlo, I originally wanted to get into Pitt for nursing, and I was denied. I actually called someone and was talking to them on the phone, they said, it's probably because you didn't have any extracurriculars. I'm like, but my GPA is pretty good, I have a decent SAT score, and they're like, it's not about grades anymore, it's about you, what makes you special, and I'm like, I've been trying so hard to get good grades, I haven't focused on me. Yeah,
0: and it's like, you take so much time to kind of like focus, like, I gotta get the grades, I gotta get mm-hmm. the grades, I gotta get the grades. For parents and educators, both, listen mm-hmm. to the students listen to them and believe them like if I'm asking for help it's not because I just want to waste your time or because you know I want some attention like no I really need help or if you know there's something going on it's not because I'm trying to get out of doing something like something is really going on So, I, but I feel like that you know just touches back to everything that we were saying before
1: thank you to Lee Michael and Jordan for joining us today Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning and Pittsburgh based network of people and organizations that ignites and engaging relevant and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org.